It's, um, it's quite astounding that people within, uh, the people who are, are suffering the political mind virus, like they get addicted to politics. It's, it's a form of mental illness, in my opinion. It's absolutely crazy. But they are willing to say absolutely anything. Absolutely anything. And then they get caught because they say one thing one time. They say the opposite another time. It's just like, whatever. Uh, but anyways, yeah, more of that nonsense is going. Will, what's up, brother? Afternoon, y'all. Uh, coffee in hand um, while turning. Well, good for you, man. Keep safe and uh, keep the rubber side down. And uh, I'm having what, what Peter McCormick calls <laughs> tastes like tastes effing awful. He's not a big fan of uh, Tim Horton's coffee for some reason. For those of you who don't see, but we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I want to just say good morning or good afternoon this time. Sorry, I had a couple of meetings this morning and I had to catch up on some stuff. And I want to welcome you to the Freedom Coffee live stream where we celebrate the freedoms that we have fought for. And we talk about how we can expand those freedoms in the future and how do we do that. We do that by gathering around and all getting a cup of our favorite coffee in our favorite mug that says either honking for freedom or uh, don't be a chooch. Uh, that's diversity Trudeau there, right there. And we, we get our coffee and we work on getting out of a state of anxiety, relieving our stress, and we come together with ideas. And I do that by turning on the switch. You know what the switch is for me? For me, the switch of positivity is a sip of coffee. So once I go and do that, I feel all the stress and anxiety a little bit that I have about all the, the political nonsense I'm dealing with just runs through my fingers and now we're good. That's where uh, now everything's amazing. Can't you feel it? I don't know. I do. It's been a good week, but a very, very busy week. Uh, you're live on YouTube now. Okay. Uh, I guess it's working. I can sympathize. I don't drink coffee either. Well, you'd get along well with the Brits. And Peter's not the first Brit uh, to tell me that uh, when you know one of my, some of you know my, one of my closest friends is a Brit. But um, anyways, okay, it's very cold here, <laughs> as we've learned. It was, it's interesting to be hanging around. It reminds me when my buddy came here for the first time ever to Canada. And, you know, we think it's just kind of normal. And we don't understand why people make such a big deal of the cold. But... Um, yeah, let's just say it's been a little bit of a surprise for them, but uh, it is what it is. Okay, tonight, uh, Not On Record is going to be premiering at 8 o'clock, and a really good, interesting episode because there's two of the young uh, lawyers who jo joined Joseph's firm are being, for lack of a better term, interrogated. Uh, it's quite interesting, though. There is a, a very interesting Easter egg in that episode. I happen to be... Uh, there during the recording, so I suggest uh, you watch it. If you're home alone, you're home and uh, you got nothing to do, uh, check out Not At Record tonight at uh, 8 p.m. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, cartels today. Not what you think, I promise. Not what you think, it has nothing to do with Columbia. Um, and that people don't like Tim Hortons. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Such, such vitriol. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, because I know a lot of you aren't Bitcoiners, there's a very, very popular uh, Bitcoin podcast called What Bitcoin Did, hosted by Peter McCormick. I've been listening to it since basically since he launched. And he told me it was 2017, which sounds about right for me. And we uh, finally got time to hang out and spend time together and all that sort of stuff. 
And tonight, what we're going to do, because we're in the middle of doing a, a bunch of things while there, he's there with his team in Canada. Tonight, we're going to be doing a hangout. We're going to be doing a hangout in Toronto. So if you are in Toronto and you're willing to bear the brunt of the cold and you want to get out <laughs> and come hang out with Peter and myself and a few other people, uh, many of whom will be Bitcoiners, of course, uh, go to my Twitter feed. There is a link to, I created a um, Telegram channel where I'm just going to post the information and time and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be probably Midtown Toronto. But uh, come hang out, and it's going to be great. We'll just uh, spend some time together. Nice, I have a coffee also. Spiral, it's good to see you, brother. Is yours uh, Tim Horton's coffee? I couldn't believe it. Such vitriol. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, if you're you're following my Twitter, go to my Twitter uh, feed where I posted a video uh, of Peter's opinion of Tim Hortons. So, uh, I don't think he's going to be a brand manager for Tim Hortons anytime soon, but it is what it is. All right. The more things change, the more things stay the same. So, we're seeing a lot of things going on around the world. One thing in particular, the German farmers are being co-opted by the political class, just like they did to the Freedom Convoy. Wow, it's the exact same tactics, it's the exact same process, Uh, and it's done by the same people who smeared us in the Ottawa trucker convoy who tried to to co-opt us. So it's really interesting how this is all connected. But we'll talk more about this as time goes on. But it was really interesting, I was showing uh, Bridget the, some pictures from the, the, um, uh, the protest in Germany, and there's one in particular. It's in front of a stadium, and there's all these tractors that are lined up in a stadium field, lined up in a row, like in a perfect row, squared off with another row squared off perfectly. And I showed that to Bridget, and I said, "Does that look organic to you?" And she's like, "No, that looks like a military." And I said. Isn't that what they were trying to get us to do? Isn't that what, you know, the, the, the geniuses that were trying to subvert the convoy were trying to? She's like, yeah, yeah. I said, not that it's not organic. I'm sure it is. But they are being co-opted by the same, um, well, tangentially, some of the people are the same, but then they find people that they can co-opt in Europe who become mouthpieces, who who basically engage in political entryism. They join their movements and start to take it over. And I'm sure if anybody, I don't speak German, if anybody spoke German and looked to people online, they'd probably see a lot of infighting starting, which means they're going to co-opt the German protest and end it very quickly. And that's why things never change. Because... What we've exposed during the Freedom Convoy, what we've learned, the reason they are attacking myself and Bridget and a bunch of other people, always trying to smear us, always trying to tell people, oh, don't listen to them, don't listen, because we were right in the center of this global political cartel that acts like a protection racket for the entire political class, not just the WEF. It's the whole political class in various countries, and they'll deploy people. They'll engage, they'll take it over, and they'll end it, which is probably what's going to happen, right? 
And if they don't listen, then people will get arrested. They'll sacrifice them just like they sacrificed the truckers in Ottawa. And this is why I continue to talk about it because I, like, I, I don't like to live in the past. I got other things I, in my life I got to deal with. And we try to talk about some of those things here as well, right? But if, if people don't understand this racket and how it works and how the brainwashing is used against you, the collectivist nature of everybody in government. And, and by the way, don't, don't dis dismiss that. They're all socialists. I don't care if they're the Liberal Party or the, or the Conservative Party. They're all friggin' socialists. They're all collectivists. They all want to suck on the tit of government. All of them. All of them. Especially those who have never had a real job. And the other thing is interesting, and I, I wonder if people understand this concept. Most politicians are not elected. Did you know that? Did you know that most politicians aren't elected? They're the people who work behind the scenes who actually run the show. So the people that you're, you know, checking off on your piece of paper that that's your, who you're voting for, that is just the mascot now at this point. They're not the ones calling the shot, right? And they don't have enough political capital to invoke change. That's why I tell people, like, when they say, oh, I want to meet with this representative, Maybe he or she will listen to me. And I'm like, no, they, they won't listen to you because there's an entire infrastructure that's built around lobbyists and strategic management firms and consulting firms that they're deciding what the politician's opinions are. And if the politician doesn't have that opinion, then they will be disqualified or removed from office. That's how it works behind the scenes. And the people who run those rackets, they're politicians. They just don't, never go on a ballot. Sometimes you'll have some of them who had been in office at some point, but it's really important to understand this, that most of your politicians are not elected, they've never been elected, but they're running the racket of the, of the uniparty and the political parties themselves. The people who do the kingmakers, as we discuss, we call them in politics. And then you have like kind of, I call them your rugrats, like your middle management losers that are obsessed with politics. Like it's the only thing they can think of. They can't look at anybody in life unless it's through the political lenses of conservative, liberal, conservative, liberal, whatever. That's the only way they can view the world. It's the most anti-intellectual way to view the world. They're really quite dumb and quite pathetic, which is why most of them are drug addicts and alcohols, <laughs> alcoholics. But that's another issue. Um, anyways, so uh, this uh, political cartel seems to grow. The political cartel that we encountered in Ottawa that sold us out, that we are going to continue uh, talking about, and discovery in court will be fascinating. I promise you, it'll be fascinating. But so you'll, so what's going to happen with the German protest is you will start to soon see, if you haven't seen it yet, you'll start to see somebody who is clearly a scripted politician. They'll probably grab somebody who uh, has military experience if they can. They'll use a, like a, a veteran if possible or somebody in policing, law enforcement, because they live in this world of just letters and their version of credibility is, oh, they're in the military or in, or in uh, law enforcement. And they'll put that person on camera to do some sort of scripted uh, legacy media interview. He'll do all the talking points and that will be it. And it's going to be very, like when I, when I spoke at the Freedom Convoy, I don't think anybody will, will disagree that I was very, very effective. 
that peace, love, unity, freedom, the way I sold it, the way I did the interviews, uh, was extremely effective. But you'll probably notice that there's a difference. It'll seem a lot more scripted. It'll seem a little plastic, plastica. And uh, that is going to be, and there's going to be many tells in there as well. What they'll do is they'll say, oh, it's one political party, and they'll ignore the corruption of the other political parties. They'll just focus on, sometimes they just focus on one individual, right? Because, of course, we all live in dictatorships now. Everything is just one person, right? That's the framing that they're trying to brainwash all of you with. So anyways, that's why I continue to talk about it, because you're going to see them sell out the 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 German farmers and uh, I'm sure it'll come to a very abrupt end and before you know it there's going to be no coverage and you'll have forgotten about it until somebody asks you I don't know somebody streaming on YouTube will say hey what happened to those German farmers right so anyways that's uh, that's basically it uh, voice hey what's up good to see you and spiral and will Think I gotta go, but oh, you're in Illinois. Uh, Illinois. Uh, Should done last night. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I was, I was uh, way out in the country last night, and I didn't get back until like one in the morning driving back. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but drive safe, Will, and uh, hope to talk to you soon, brother. Wish you were here because it'd be good to see you tonight. Uh, so anybody who wants to come tonight, by the way. Uh, no feds. I mean, we're, we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna have some uh, sewer rats try to show up. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, join the Telegram group that is pinged, in, or the ch- Telegram channel that's pinged in my Twitter post about uh, Peter being here tonight. And let's hang out and have a pint, and it'll be fun. We'll grab some food, have a pint. I don't know if there's any games on, but uh, by the way, it's really interesting. I'm sitting at the bar with Peter. Peter is Peter McCormick is the host of uh, What Bitcoin Did, and we're sitting at the bar in some pub in very very rural Ontario, and there was a football game on last night. It was um, it was the 49ers and Green Bay, and so Pete is all into it. So. Again, I've, I'll, I've, I know lots of Brits, very close friend who's British, whatever, and they all hate American football. But here is Pete, like all into it. I'm like, wait, I thought you're supposed to call this not real football, right? Like, because they call soccer football. He's like, oh no, man, I love it. The 49ers are my team, and he's about my age. I mean, let me guess, Joe, Mon- Joe Montana, and just yep, yeah, 100. percent And it was, uh, it was very nice to see somebody from across the pond. Uh, who really enjoys American football. So good on you, Pete. Uh, keep speaking the uh, spiral. Says, keeping speaking the truth, brother. Um, you have a great... Well, thank you, man. I'm not going to stop. I am never, ever, ever going to stop. So, uh, I mean, not specifically on this topic. Like, there's other things to deal with in the world. But it, it's just funny how this protection racket, this political cartel, is everywhere. It's, it's mind-blowing. I can't believe how many countries it's now, they have people, it's, it's weird. I don't want to use the propaganda words that some people use. It's, oh, they're connected to whatever. It's a little bit different. It's not like it's, an, it, it's a persuasion tactic. So they'll have somebody who is influential that will reach out to people and so they'll say like, yeah, you know, we're really concerned about this issue. We want to help. And then the person will have received a call from somebody quite famous. And they'll be like, oh, oh, my God, how can I help? They're like, uh, and they'll say to them, 
yeah, well, you know, we got to get some messaging out. Maybe we can connect you with some people who can help steer you in the right direction. And uh, anything, maybe we can boost. You know what? We'll, we'll do a, an interview together or something like that. And that help your audience as well. Get the word out and stuff like that. And that's how people get captured. It's not like you're joining, you know, our cartel. We're, we're, we're stamping the seal on your forehead and you're not part of it. No, no, no. It's just very kind persuasion. Yeah, yeah we, we really want to help, want to make things better and whatever. Meanwhile, they're stabbing them in the back at the same time, which is exactly what we went through in Ottawa, and it happens all over the place. So keep keep an eye on that. Keep an eye for people using kind of the same language. Uh, there's certain people they won't talk to. You know, we saw another grift just started, and it's so funny. Somebody sent this to me and said, <laughs> sent me the link and said, is this another grift? And I look at the organization or, or all the people who are part of this little group. Every single one of them talks shit about me during the convoy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's the whole – that's part of the group of people that sold us out. But you people – well, not you people, but people think, oh, those are the freedom fighters. No, no, those are the people that are working for the political establishment. And half of them don't even know. You know, they don't understand – I guess you got to have time in politics to understand the complexity, how everything is interrelated. But uh, anyways, it is. I want to talk about something else. Something that was uh, is a source of mild frustration that I've had to deal with in the past. I, and again, I'm not saying this from a negative space. This is just human behavior, right? Uh, so my frustration is not with individual people. It was It's with kind of my inability on certain issues to reach people and trying to figure out tactfully how to reach them. And the word I want to talk about is evidence. Evidence. Not like in a court, right? Uh, Beth puts freedom fighters equals political cartel. Sometimes. Sometimes. When you see a bunch of people who are not a trucker have um, political ties and they sit in front of a keyboard and they write articles about politics and call themselves freedom fighters... They're political cartel. I mean, what freedom fighter? What, what does that mean? What, what are you, you going to go out in the street and start doing kung fu with some random liberal politician? Like, what freedom fighter? So frustrating. Like, yeah, during a protest like we had at the convoy, yeah, it's just kind of a funny meme. I didn't really like it, to be entirely honest, because of the word fighter. You know, you saw how negative they turned on Trump just for using, you know, go fight peacefully. Oh, he's an act of violence. So I was not a big fan of that word, and I made that very clear, which is why I guess they tried to use that to, to get us into trouble. Because remember, it's always about selling us out and getting the truckers and the protesters into trouble. But anyways, back to evidence. Somebody messaged me frantically, and I don't want to get into too much detail because somebody I really trust, and it's a, another example of this, and try to figure out how to reach them. But this is somebody with really, really good intentions and uh, but we're we're all susceptible to this. So they messaged me about a one a, a particular political issue about somebody and whatever. Okay, nothing to do with Canada, by the way. And so I gave kind of a little a short version of kind of the backdrop of what's going on and explaining who's who, because in all these things, Scott talks about this a lot. You have to understand who the players are first. Once you understand who the players are then everything makes sense, right? So I explained what's going on, and this was somebody who's emotionally tied to an issue and a topic, 
uh, around freedom and safety and, and very rationalized. Like, I can understand why. But uh, this person slipped in to a form of cognitive dis uh, dissonance, right? Just into denialism. Like, well, it doesn't really matter. And I'm like, no, it, it does matter. This is quite dangerous. And I explained it in more detail and tried to go you don't want to go too many deviations into, uh, I don't like the term rabbit hole, but into the details because it gets a little bit complex, especially when somebody is having um, uh, cognitive dissonance around their emotional ideas being challenged, which is what this is about. You can't push too much, right? Especially when you like people, right? But he, um, he kept, he professed on, but yeah, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. And then he says, and I've dealt this with many times with previous podcasts I've dealt with. So it's not unique to him. It's just how we all behave. I'm sure I behave this way too. Uh, he said, okay, but what's the evidence? There's your tell. This had happened so many times on so many different topics that we covered in podcasts and whatever. When people very, very senior, when, it, when these issues got on their radar – and they didn't want to deal with it, and politicians do this all the time, or the political class does, they do the, well, where's the evidence? Like, okay, firstly, they don't understand evidence. Secondly, they're going to use it probably, and I know of a few cases, where they're just going to use it to create an excuse narrative so they'll further not have to deal with the issue. That's what politicians do. But I want to explore this whole idea of they don't understand the evidence. And I th I, this is not to any individual, well, many of us. This, I, had, I ended up learning this while producing a podcast. So I didn't know either how all of this works. So in the, let's take the example of, I don't know, organized crime um, or international crime, something like that, right? People think, and I guess it's because of the movies, uh, is it, I don't know, if it's Matlock or movies or fake, you know, legal uh, movies that have trials in them. Like when you watch a movie and you watch a, a trial, that's fake. That's part of why I produce Not On Record, to show you, to, to listen to a lawyer explain what's going on in the legal process because it's all about process, right? But that's not – all that stuff is glossed over in a movie and it's just sensationalized. And what's really funny is in movies, um, in general, not just in legal movies, but they're always building up to the eureka moment. The aha, see, look, your signature's on this piece of paper. Therefore, you're a kingpin of the mafia. That's not how life works. That's not how the legal system works. That's not how court works. In some, you know, maybe in, in tax court or something like that, in some theaters, yes. But for the most part, it's always patterns of behavior. So you, you get enough data points, now you can establish a pattern of behavior. Now you can say, this is my evidence, right? This is, and, you know, I'm using this when I'm putting together and mapping out the political cartel. I see subject one talks to this person, talks to that person, um, throws me under the bus, puts forward this fake narrative, has been at events with this person who's also part of the political cartel, and you can all map it out. And then I can say, okay, here's this subject. I can give you 15 data points that this person 
is either an activist or on payroll of the political cartel or of TBOF or of the Strong and Free Network who funds a lot of this stuff. Because look, I got 10 data points that shows this person is actively involved in this group. So that's how evidence works, right? It's not, it's not one piece of paper that shows everything. It's this whole uh, pattern. And it's amazing how many people don't understand it. And I guess, look, I didn't understand it to the extent that I understand it now. But that's why when I say ABC person is part of the political cartel, uh, or this new person just came on the on my board, I put it. This new person just came on the board because I can now link them to 11 people in the political cartel that sold out the Freedom Convoy. It's because I put them on the board and then I monitor them you know, in passing, I see comments online, see interviews and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I can establish a pattern of behavior. And the way it works, this is what I learned when I was producing uh, the Quicken Report. They, it's, it's all put into a spreadsheet. Like, I, it's gets their spreadsheet's too complicated for me. I mean, that's really advanced stuff. But it's, it's interesting. You, you put in a subject, you start collecting your data points, and then you build. Uh, multiple hypotheses, and then you try to disprove them. And the hypothesis you can't disprove, it doesn't mean with absolute certainty, because there are no certainties in life, but it's more than likely. And that's the job of the court, is you present that to a court, and the judge will review your evidence versus the other side, and then say, yeah, you know, your evidence is compelling enough that I would rule in favor that this is, an actu this is factual. There's no eureka moment. There's no signature. There's no membership card for the Muslim Brotherhood. That's not how it works. It's all multiple data points and patterns of behavior that, that show us how people are interlinked, which is exactly what's happening with the political cartels who operate very much in the same way. So this is why it's important. I want everybody to understand what evidence is. Um, you know, evidence gets submitted to in, in the legal structure, it's submitted to the court, and then a judge rules whether the evidence is factual or not. But it's but this question always pops up when it's a complicated issue, the person gets rattled uh, or slips into cognitive dissonance because they've been emotionally tied to either an issue or an outcome or a political thing. So they're emotionally invested in it. And then I come along and say, sorry, this is actually what's going on. And it, all, and it undoes it. And it also is a cause for concern. That's another part. You know, and it's something you should be scared about. It's very easy because people, all of us, want to pretend bad things aren't happening. And um, so they'll, they'll, they'll gravitate to, well, show me the evidence. It's like, well, you won't understand it because... It requires multiple data points, and you're going to say, yeah, but where's his signature? You know how many times I dealt with this? <laughs> and, and sometimes with big uh, decision makers, right? And you, you would, they, would, they too would slip into this cognitive dissonance and say, look, you got a, a, a stack of papers that shows all of this, inter how everything is working, how it's interlinked. Yeah, but I don't see a signature on it. Well, I'm sorry. It's not a credit card application. That's not how this works. So we have to get over this overly simplified view of how the world works and understand the world's a little bit complex. It's a little bit murky sometimes. 
you know, there's very few absolutes. Everything is probabilities. And, um, but it, it's a common thing when people are emotionally involved in something and someone comes along with something that undoes everything, that person will slip in, well, I, show me the evidence. And then the other thing is somebody will say, well, show me the evidence. Okay, well, here's some evidence. And what will they do? I don't believe your data. Doesn't matter. Here's a picture of the two together. Here's them here. Here's the, the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. I don't believe your evidence, right? You see that from all the activists on the opposite side of you politically. They do the same thing. That's why I've, I keep saying over and over again, and I've so told people many times in, in politics they don't listen, the facts don't matter. This is why the facts don't matter. Because when we slip into cognitive dissonance because we're emotionally invested in something, we are subconsciously going to try to do everything we can to undermine anything that is shown to us as proof. Even if it is factual and verifiable, most of us, the NPCs, no matter what, and we all can are subject to being in an NPC state sometimes, by the way, uh, it doesn't matter. We're always going to, if we're tied to something um, as to a high degree of emotional investment, doesn't matter what you show them. You can show them right in their face. The direct, you can show them a video of somebody committing an act. Well, I don't believe it. That is called brainwashing. And that's what your political class is doing to all of you. This is why they go on smear and whisper campaigns online about not just my, I'm not the only one, many of us, because these are tactics to brainwash you and to put you in a group, an assigned group. And in the case of politics, it's a politically assigned group. You're either a supporter or the opposition, and they want to get everybody out of being swing voters and push them into one of two camps, supporter or opposition, because that way they'll know how it's part of, it's called GOTV, get out the vote strategy. But this is, it's gone way crazier than it's ever been into behavioral economics now to the point that it's so dependent on emotional and psychological manipulation, which is why the media does what it does to you. That's why they lie to you. Um, when they say, show me the evidence, they mean, show me the money. <laughs> that sometimes happens too. That's a different type of negotiation and conversation for sure. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of that. Well, brother, you're a wise mind beyond your years. And I always appreciate you, man. I wish you were, you're not going to be around, any, you're gonna, any chance you're going to be around the Toronto area tonight, come on, hang out with Pete. He wants to meet as many Bitcoiners as possible. And um, I'm going to be posting it, the venue, later on in, uh, in a few hours. So if you can't be there, you will be missed, and you'll be there in spirit, I hope. All right, all of this, we're going to do today's a little bit, uh, a little bit shorter, but um, all of this stuff is, you know, we all get a little, how do we want to say, we got a little overwhelmed with so much information being sent to us and we get information overload and that's a big part of, I think, what causes us to, to slip into anxiety 
and negativity. And as you know, that's why I always want to build this space so we can talk about these negative things, but also look at the world through a, a positive frame. Now, I don't know about you. I'm looking at everything that's going on in the world, and I'm thinking, things are getting so much better. They really are. I mean, look at the things you couldn't talk about two years ago, or you would get aggressively attacked by people in your work or your neighborhood, your business, your family, right? The issues around jihad terrorism, the transgender issue, all these hot-button issues, on the other side, the abortion issue, whatever, all these hot-button issues that if you talked incorrectly about them, you would be outcast, right? This is that whole, the whole idea of cancel culture. But aren't you seeing people across the board are fed up with the cancel culture? I've had, you know, I talked about this in my last stream, but I've been having so many conversations with people across the political spectrum, I mean political philosophical spectrum, people who have very different views than I do, but we talk to each other in a way we can understand each other, right? And instead of attacking each other, just kind of like, I disagree, but, you know, my needs in life are different than yours right now, so that would make sense why we disagree, like those sorts of things. I'm having a lot of those conversations. So for me, there's all of these signs going on of why we should be positive. Um, and a, a perfect example, <laughs> this was great. You know, most of you know I'm a car nut. And our entire lives, we're hearing about the flying car, right? Uh, it's never going to happen. And then you heard Trump say last year, I think, or a year, year before that, he wants to build a city that has all the latest technology, including flying cars. And some people dismiss it, oh, he's crazy, he's up in the air. It's like, no, no, no. It's called a cyclorotor. You know what a cyclorotor is? <laughs> it's the key to a flying car. It's essentially a rotor that replaces tires, but they're more elongated, kind of like a, like, a, like a drone, like a DJI drone. But instead of a helicopter, there are rotors that are mounted sideways, but they're encapsulated, like on the ends, so it looks like there's a car rim attached to it. And there are four um, rotors, or wings, airfoils, whatever you want to call it, that are within it that rotate, and it gives enough pressure or enough thrust to achieve lift. Now, why didn't we have this before? Well, because there were um, limitations in material science and there were required advancements in computer processing power. But get, guess what? We've now hit the threshold of computer processing power and material science that we can actually build functional cyclorotors. And you attach those to a body of what looks like a car, you now have a flying car. Go check it out on uh, YouTube. You'll see all these videos about um, cyclorotors. It's absolutely amazing. There's so much good that's about to happen. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time when I have the little bit of free time that I have learning AI and all these different AI tools. I've mentioned this before. I mean, it's amazing. It's the things that I can now do that I couldn't do two years ago is just shocking. It goes back to James Burke's thesis in Connections on the positive acceleration of change becomes exponential and we're living in that era right now 
these are all amazing things. They're so good. Like I can't, yeah, I can't believe how much optimism I have. That's on top of Bitcoin, and you know the more freedom-minded, uh, you know the pendulum in in global politics is shifting towards freedom and individualism, and that's was highlighted by Millet's speech at the World Economic Forum. And you watch the World Economic Forum. I they're a bunch of opportunists. I'm telling you, they are going to change. They're going to pivot. Don't think they're the ideologues that they are. They're about money. And when they see that the money is not with collectivism and communism anymore, and that there's money around libertarianism, they're going to pivot. Every politician pivots. They always hashtag follow the money. So, I mean, it might seem like things are a little bit rocky, and I think I know why. I think it was, I can't remember the exact number. I heard this in uh, a podcast I was listening to in, the tr in a truck, but in 2024, I think, it could be wrong with the numbers, but it was approximately this. 65, approximately 65% of the world's democracies are having national elections. So, of course, think about that. 65% of the world's democracies, developing world, whatever you want to talk, developed world, whatever you want to talk about it, and some developing. 65% of them are having national elections. What happens during the election season? Well, the world's going to chaos, right? Because one side has to demean the other side. So it's all political narratives telling us the world is going to collapse unless you vote for us. And you hear that on both sides. So I think that's why we're, we get the, the perception that things are bad and that they're negative but they're really way better than they are. That's why when you go out, you know, as much as you see chaos on, I don't know, Twitter, whatever social media you use, Facebook, uh, whatever, everything seems like it's falling apart. But when you go outside, you go down the street to the local coffee shops, like, oh, wait, everything's cool. Everybody's hanging around. A bunch of people with different political ideas are hanging out because it's all artificial. It's all these narratives. It's all these brainwashing to try to get you to have certain political opinions that you may or may not agree with. So if in 2024, 65% of the world's democracies are going to have elections, you know what's not going to happen in 2025? 65% of the world's democracies will not be having elections in 2025. It's just a weird time where so many things are lining up. So I think it's going to feel um, a little bit rough. Right? It's going to feel that at least from the rhetoric that you see online. But I don't think it's going to feel like that in your regular everyday life, especially with all these amazing things going on where people are not afraid, are not afraid to talk about spicy topics anymore. People are more free, spree for, for more free speech. Cyclorotor, uh, Tesla has that robot coming out in uh, supposed to be this year, but they're always five years late for everything. But whatever, it's called Optimus or Optimus Prime or something like that, that half of you will be like, oh, I don't need that. And I get that. But whatever, just advances in technology that are very interesting, right? Those are all things for positive change. So it's, it's interesting that we're in a state where, from my perspective, we should be at our maximum positivity because there's so much good on the horizon. Yet so many people have a negative framing, right? Um, 
Beth says, elections mean optimism, change of leadership, hope for the future. Canada, too, needs to have an election in 2024. Uh, yes. Okay, so there's two points on that. Firstly, uh, when the Conservatives get elected, uh, you're going to feel like there's massive change, but things are going to just keep going on the same. I'm sure they'll introduce some policies that will uh, pull back on some of the craziness, the extreme craziness from Trudeau. And hopefully they'll open up the, the oil sector in Western Canada. Uh, that will be a big economic boom to us. So that would be great. But remember, it's going to be like Doug Ford, right? Doug Ford, the guy who sought an injunction to freeze your donations for the Freedom Convoy. A conservative did that. Okay, let's not forget that. That's why they attack me. That's why I say it all the time. <laughs> they can go fuck themselves. So it was uh, Doug Ford, the conservative, that sought the injunction against, against us. You think the federal conservatives are going to be any different? No, conservatives do what the liberals do at the speed limit. But I have a plan for them. But they have to get elected first. And uh, from what I see, they are already canvassing. So the federal conservatives are already knocking on doors and canvassing for the next election. You know what that means in politics? That means we're having an election in 2024. My prediction is the beginning of November. Election season is always after Labor Day. They'll call an election in uh, the end of September after people are back in school and they think they're paying attention to the legacy media because they're addicted to legacy media. They'll call an election, I don't know, September, let's say, hmm, 25th, whatever it is. And we will have an election 30 days later. And that's it. So beginning of November, end of October, give me a couple of weeks here or there. And because um, you know why? The other thing is, so the reason they did the 2025 deal was because Jack Mead wants his pension because um, he's, he <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way. Uh, <laughs> a pejorative for people who can't work for themselves, right? Uh, the word whore was in there. But anyways, so Jack Mead is a whore and he just, he's, he's a scumbag. He just wants his pension. It's all he cares about is pension because he didn't get a pension. There's no pension on the provincial level in Ontario. So the, I guess the liberals uh, worked out a deal with them and said, yeah, 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 we'll support each other until the 2025 when we have to have an election and you'll get your pension. But there's one thing I know about politicians uh, or the political classes that works in Canada. And you saw with the convoy as an example. They all stab each other in the back. I'm willing to bet we will have an election and they will time it so that they'll have an election and Jack Mead can't get his pension just to stick it in his eye. Those are the type of psychopaths that are in politics. Those are the ones who are not elected, who are behind the scenes, who call the shots. So that leads me to believe we're going to have an election before the end of the year. I could be wrong, but if conservatives are knocking on doors now, that means they know everyone has decided there's going to be an election in 2024. So another sign for hope? Yeah, I guess so. 
But things don't change with one politician or one election. They change when the culture changes, which is what we're going to do here. And it's going to take some time, but we'll do it. And things are going to get much better, I promise. There's always problems in life, but sometimes it feels chaotic when it's not. And you know what? Everything always works out. We're all adaptable. We can all deal with the bumps in the road. But I think we are headed towards a, uh, a new enlightenment period. Um, they want time with TDS. <laughs> Guess what? Well, that's the other thing. Uh, I mean, there's many reasons they're going to have an election in this fall. Because if they have the Trump, ele- the Trump election is going to be in November. There's no doubt Trump is going to be the nominee. So the way the liberals are going to campaign here is, oh, you can't vote for Pierre Polyev because he's Trump. So you're going to have Trump and Trump, which is the complete opposite. But they'll try to brainwash their base of support and Canadians into into believing that. Beth says, we need a Canadian melee to run our province and our country. That is coming down the pipeline. That's where we're going. It's going to take us a generation to get there, maybe 10 years. But that's where every bankrupt democracy will have to go. Now, will Canada try to hold on to this pseudo-socialism garbage like Argentina did for 70, 80 years? I don't think so. It's possible. But I think the, the rate of change over the last century was way slower than the rate of change in the age of technology. So 70 years can be covered in two years now. So I don't think we're going to hold on for as long as Argentina did to have Millet-type ideas and even the rhetoric. And that's why I push them. I don't care what they think. I could care less. That's why I call them a bunch of of a-holes. That's what they are. I don't care if they like it or not. It is what it is. So we will get there, I promise you. It's just going to take time. It's going to take time. On that, um, I have to run. And Beth, thank you. Thank you for all the call. You're so wonderful. All of you. And uh, Voice and Spiral, Will, and everybody else. If you're in Toronto, come hang out. Um, it's Bitcoin. Peter McCormick's in town. We're going to hang around, have some grub at the pub, uh, have a couple of pints, and just hang out and chill. Pretty casual. be a lot of fun. And uh, go to my Twitter. Click on the Telegram link because I will post the details in that Telegram link uh, once I get confirmation, which I should have by 3 p.m. Uh, today or in or about 3 p.m. today. And let's go have some fun. All right, so be good. I love you all and be good to people that you meet today. And if you, you meet, if you run into some strangers, be kind to them because remember, your subconscious is always watching. <laughs>